0: You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. It feels like it's been a long time since we've had our little chat. So belly up to my bar. Been a long weekend. I hope you guys enjoyed the holiday and took a minute to really think about why we have that holiday. And I decided not to do a podcast yesterday. It's kind of a slow time of the year, of course. So instead of just manufacturing something, and I was busy with the fam as well. I decided to skip it. Um, we are brought to you by Blue Chew, and I'll tell you about them in a moment. You guys often like it when I do. Um, also wanted to tell you, you can get the Locked On NFL podcast on a brand new podcasting app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And when you get in your car, Tell your smart device to play podcast locked on NFL. I would also appreciate you guys going to iTunes, leaving me a mess, uh, leaving me a note there. There's been a few lately, but the last I've checked, um, it is Twitter Tuesday. Lots to discuss, but many of your guys' tweets centered around Bart Starr and Richie Incognito. So I'm going to combine a bunch of tweets to talk about those two, starting with the great Bart Starr and his passing. Um, Obviously a very full and awesome life, and um, by all accounts was a true gentleman, a Mount Rushmore player for the league, a founding father type quarterback on one of the best teams in creation. Um, Everyone raves about Star as a human being, as a leader in the community, and obviously he'll be missed, but he left a lot behind. Um, a couple just notes there. And several of you asked me, you know, unfortunately, these kind of questions. Well, not unfortunately. It's just, you know, part of the guy's legacy. And we're talking football here. You know, where do you rank them all time? Um, I do want to say a couple notes about Star. And, again, hey, I'm, I'm about to turn 46 years old. I turn next week. 6'6 six, six is my birthday. And, I, I mean, anything Bart Starr related is going to have to be what I learned from NFL films and, you know, reputation and studying the game, of course. and But those guys that are pre-1970 to me, are, or even pre-mid-70s, are kind of in their own stratosphere. Like, I don't know how you compare Bart Starr to Marino, let alone Manning or Rodgers. You know what I mean? I mean, Starr versus Favre versus Rodgers is very, very different. Um, I do think it's really noteworthy that, not only did he win the first two Super Bowls, but if you think about it, that was sort of the decline of the the empire. You know what I mean? I mean, if the Super Bowl had been invented five or ten years later, how many rings would the Packers have had? You know I mean? Think about that for a minute. I mean, the, the, he won the, the, the those two, and you remember that, but he could have won five in a row. You know I mean? Who's to say? Uh, or, you know, it certainly could have done a four out of six like the Steelers or, you know, something along those lines. Like, for example, I was I was talking on Steelers Nation radio today. What if this? What if the Super Bowl had been invented in 1977? We talked about the Steelers as a two-time Super Bowl champ in the 70s. You know, so um, some of those are timing based. Times were different then. Obviously, um, they didn't play as many playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, it was a different situation, a different format. But I do think it's noteworthy that he has the best playoff record ever, and. Again, record isn't all on the quarterback. I mean, his supporting cast is off the chart, and they have the total package of Hall of Famers and coaching and clearly being the best team of their generation. It's not to say that anybody could have quarterbacked that team, but I do think you have to take that, not with a grain of salt, but into consideration that Starr has the best record in playoff history. is awesome, but that doesn't mean that, to me, he's better than Brady or, you know, necessarily. Um, Again, I do think he's a Mount Rushmore player, but I do think it's noteworthy that he has one of the, I think he's number two in terms of playoff passer rating in the NFL. And And the other guys are the people you would think, you know, the passers of the footballs, the Mannings, the Bradys, the Breeze. I mean, those type of guys are warners on that list and stars on that list. And he stands out as such a different animal, a different time than those players in terms of playoff, Passing, you know, numbers and efficiency and passer rating. Um, A couple things to note, too. I mentioned how his supporting cast was awesome and he was in a great situation and coach and all those things and how they fed off each other. But also let's realize, too, that passing the ball for Bart Starr was a heck of a lot harder than it is for Drew Brees. I mean, first of all, this guy played in Green Bay. (laughs) You know, I mean, if we're talking playoffs, we're talking late in the year. You can't tell me there was a lot of good weather games for Bart Starr. Also, I mean, this is pre-Mel Blunt rules. I mean, his his receivers got abused at the line of scrimmage. If you went over the middle, they took your head off. Quarterbacks got killed in the passing game. So let's not forget about how much harder it was. Even the ball was a little different. I mean, so let's not forget about how much more difficult it was to complete a pass. And, And not to mention the... The schemes weren't like they are today. I mean, how much quick hitters did they have? And, you know, high percentage throws and get your completion percentage up type of things. I mean, that's not what they did back then. And still, he was phenomenal. Um, If we are to rank him, I almost feel like, like in baseball, I think you can rank, and other sports, but I think in baseball you can rank players easier like it's to me it's easier to rank babe ruth against a great mike trout or somebody like that because i think you can look at baseball and say okay bob gibson's era was awesome but what was the average era that year koufax era like i mentioned babe ruth i mean i'm out of loop with baseball but i you know paid a lot of attention to baseball history growing up and ruth was not only one of the best home run hitters ever but back then, people were hitting, like, nine home runs, and he's hitting 60. You know what I mean? It's almost like Gretzky numbers. I mean, like, when you're that much better than your era is what I'm saying, I think it's easier to rank pitchers in the 1930s or 50s versus pitchers versus today. And, again, I don't know half as much. Or I don't know one, one millionth about baseball as I do now. But if you judge them against their era, But when you talk quarterbacks, I just think, like, Manning versus Starr is night and day. I mean, I don't know how you compare those guys. But I do think if you look at the pre-70s era, you know, I think it would be Unitas, Graham, Starr, everybody else. And those three would pretty much be on the Rushmore. Um, And then you get into the 70s with the Bradshaws and Staubachs and Stablers. And then I kind of look at the quarterbacks almost from 1980 on and feel like I can at least, they're, they're put at least in the same ballpark. And we can get into those conversations, you know, later. Who's your best quarterbacks ever and all that. And that's good things for July. But Starr obviously is the definition of a Hall of Famer. Amazing career, amazing life. And just wanted to take a segment here to honor him. Um, as for incognito going to the Raiders, talking about flipping the, the conversation, I have mixed feelings. I mean, I bet Al Davis would love this. And it's in a way, this is the Raider way. And I respect that over the years. And you go back to history, and we're talking 70s. And, you know, boy, Incognito would be a Raider all day long if it was 1978 and Madden and Al Davis and those guys. And last we saw, he was still a good player. They need a guard. So on the field, it adds up. I mean, it's worth a shot. But I just wonder, I mean the draft seemed like it was all about high character guys, you know. Keelan Fowler might not have been the, you know, the one of the top 5 type pick, but boy, he's great off the field and he's going to revive the culture here. And the draft was very much about that for the Raiders and I respected that. But before the draft, they signed Antonio Brown. Vontaze perfect, who to me is the worst one of this group and now Incognito. Like what's the message? Are you talking out both sides of your mouth? Or is it just, we're the Raiders. We're a bunch of badasses. We do anything we want. This is Al Davis's team and we're doing it in his honor and we're just going to get the best players we can and we'll give anyone a second chance. I don't know. I mean, I gotta be honest. I don't love it from a team building perspective. I would just think that, Taking the the straight, you know, the the higher character players is the better business for building a team, for reviving a team. So, that's my take on that. Um, I get it on the field, though. Um, I had mentioned before about Blue Chew. We are brought to you by Blue Chew. I've told you about them a couple times. Um, Folks, let's talk about sex. Really good sex. And Blue Chew is going to help you. Get to that point in your life. And it's wonderful stuff. Um, Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. So just listen up. It's Blue Chew, like like blue, like the color blue. BlueChew.com, all one word. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And frankly, I've told you this before. I just don't understand how the pill works. I'm like, hey, hon, I'll meet you in an hour. I mean, that doesn't really add up to me. Um, now, folks, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. Like, I'm sure a lot of you tune me out to saying, dude, I don't need that. I'm good. But, dude, it's for any guy that wants to get extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Uh, Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy. And best of all, zero awkwardness. They're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. So, like I said, even if you think you don't need this, try it anyways. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free. Use our special promo code locked on, all one word. All it costs you is five bucks for shipping. Uh, again, that's B L U E chewcom promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them very much for sponsoring our podcast. All right. Um, I mentioned that most of the, a lot of the Twitter questions were around passing of the great Bart Starr and Richie Incognito. But along those lines, I took one other question from a beverage here, at a beverage here, saying, look at the Raiders roster and circle all the guys that have been issues on other teams. Then play a season in temporary digs, roll everything up, ship it to Vegas. Hey, what could go wrong? Yeah, I feel you. You know what I mean? Like, you are bringing in some high-character rookies and you expect Gruden to keep that ship rolling. But just when the going gets tough and things are bad in a bad stadium in a temporary spot and then you go to Vegas in a crazy town, obviously, I just think there's a lot of volatility. Can it work? Are they better on the field? Absolutely. But are you building... The right foundation, and that's where I have my questions. And that's what I was saying about incognito. I tend to think no. And you know, you look at a guy like Carr, and it looks like his supporting cast is a lot better, but could it, you know, could he be better? Could he play better? And then it doesn't result in wins, and then everyone's saying Carr's not the guy, you know. I mean, even though it's not his fault because the locker room's in chaos, who's to say? It just seems like. This would not have been the approach I would have taken if you gave me three first round picks and a crap load of money to spend in free agency. I bet my roster would look a little different in a couple of these guys. Daily perfect. I mean, he's not even a good player anymore. Um, I don't I don't get that at all. Bradley Johnson asked me, Do you know the cards are not hard knocks eligible? Yes, I apologize. A week from yesterday or a week from to, from today before um, I had talked about, I would answered a hard knocks question and I said how the Cardinals were the team I wanted most. Um, I do realize that now I learned quickly after they are not one of the teams brings me back to the Raiders. The Raiders would still probably be my vote as to of the teams that are likely to get it. There was five or six teams mentioned. I still think the Raiders would be the most fun to watch. I mean, Gruden would be fun. Mayox used to be in on camera. Um, uh, AB is going to be entertaining to say the least, now you throw in a couple of these other dudes, so for all basically the reasons I said I wouldn't team build, I'd like to watch them on TV. Um, Keegan Daly asked me, "Are we seeing the NFL shy away from bigger wide receivers the past few draft cycle, in part because the cornerbacks have gotten bigger? Cycle like league kind of is what he, he put some parentheses here, or is it more to do with teams wanting versatile route runners due to scheme? I think it's more the latter. I, I think that some of these big you know, Metcalf comes to mind. Des Bryant was this way. There's a lot of them where they only align in one spot. They only do a couple things well, and it's really a good trick. They're big. They're fast. But I think because of the diversity of scheme, that when you if you have one guy that can only line up really in one spot, well, it doesn't leave as many spots for the other guys, first of all. And it makes you easier to play against. It makes it a lot easier to double that guy. But more so, I think the league is going towards... Shifty or get open now route runners, you know, Cooper cup comes to mind, like boom, get it out. And I think a lot of it has to do with offensive linemen are at a massive disadvantage right now in terms of who the, 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 the level of athlete and player that's doing the blocking as opposed to the defensive linemen coming after them more so than I can remember. They are at a disadvantage because the defensive linemen are just so talented right now. And you got to get the ball out quick. And you mesh a lot of these college spread concepts as well. That you need to get open now, guys. Make something happen after the catch. And if you're DK Metcalf or Harmon or Butler, like you see these guys falling, that even though I like some of them, you can see why they just don't fit today's NFL as much. You know, I mean, a long strider guy that can do, that has trump cards is great. But he also needs to be more explode out of your breaks. You know, like a Corey Coleman was not an advanced at all route runner. I mean, really ran a couple routes coming to the league. And he hasn't made it. You know, I mean, there's some of those type of guys. You know, Treadwell does not get open now. You know, I mean, he is a loping, heavier-footed guy. That's just not what the league wants. And if you look who's, you know the wide receiver draft list, the quicker guys are the ones that people are wanting. Um, Adam asked me, how's James Washington at OTAs? Um, He needs to develop more as the quicker route runner type. I think he's more the the outside-the-numbers type. But as was the case last year, he's very impressive at OTAs. He was very impressive in camp. I think there's a lot of confidence around James Washington. I'm predicting a breakout season for him. I think he's much more comfortable. Uh, I think the adjustment to the league... Um, has come in year two, much more so than, you know what I mean, as opposed to a year ago. Um, so I think there's good things in, in store for James Washington. Like, do I want him on my fantasy team? I don't know, but I want him on my dynasty team for the long term. And Moncrief's in the way, and I think Johnson's a chance to be good. But I think Washington has a chance to definitely be a breakout guy. Um, folks, we're also brought to you by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friends trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. We will be back here in a moment to take some more of your questions. All right. We've touched on a lot of things. There's a lot more questions here to dig at. Uh, Dr. Thunder also asked me, you've talked about the Bucks rebounding. By how much do you see them flirting with the playoffs with the Saints and Falcons? I'm a Bucks believer. I think, the def- I think the coaching changes, and maybe even more so on defense with Bowles, is ready to pay off gigantic. I think this is a really sup- potential surprising team. I'm still a Winston believer. Um, I think there's a lot of offensive talent that Arians can use really well. Um, if you listen to my Power Rank show, I guess it was early last week, I am right in the middle of the league. I mean I had them neck and neck with Carolina, and I think I had them like sixteenth in my league, which I in the league, which I bet is higher than anywhere else you'll see them. My worry is I'm also really high on Atlanta, who I had like five ish, and New Orleans, who I had one. So division doesn't help. I mean, just to say the least. I think the division is certainly a problem for them. Um, there's I'm scrolling down here because there's another question about Yeah, Joshua Redding asked me, I want to piggyback these two questions together. Who's the harder eval this year, Mariota or Winston? By the way, I just read today, it sounds like Mariota's tacked on like 10 to 12 pounds um, per the Titans' request. I assume that is to some more body armor, to handle blows better, to take some punishment, and to stay healthy, really, where he's been a little more in, ter- in terms of his conditioning, he's been a little more worried about quickness and agility. And I think this is smart. I mean, when people change their bodies a lot, it, it's a red flag to me, usually in the negative. But how much of a runner is Mariota? I mean, he really needs to make his bones being on the field and being a pocket passer. And frankly, I'm still a very, very big believer in Mariota. Um, I'm also a believer in Winston. But the answer to this question to me is Mariota's the harder eval. I know he's been a league a while. I just think that he has more of an incomplete grade than Winston, where I feel like we know who Winston is, is he is a reckless but you know high variance, but also very talented. I like the way he plays the game, but there's always two or three throws a game that make you shake your head. I mean, very far of like really. Um, I think that is who Winston is. So like I said, if I was putting a grade or a scouting report on these guys, it's easier for me to grade Winston, although I will say I am excited to see who, you know, what Arians does with him. I hope he can really gain Jameis's trust, reel him in to some degree, run the ball a little more, scheme things up for him a bit. But I do think it's a good marriage between quarterback and, and head coach in terms of skill set. And I think that he'll not reel him into the point where they're batting heads. You know, Arians is an aggressive guy too. I could see that being a good marriage. Um, along those lines, Dr. Thunder also asked me, do you see a surprise team in the AFC this year uh team has been down but could take many by surprise this upcoming year and sneak into the playoffs. Um Yeah, I mean there's a few. I mean I, I think the Jets are a possibility. Um the AFC South besides Jacksonville, I think is a possibility. But the team I'd really like to stress there is the Titans. That's why I'm kinda of tagging it with with Mariota question here. I'm still a Mariota believer. I really like how he performs from the pocket. I don't think he's gotten a lot of help. Hopefully adding a few pounds will help him stay healthy. I think that's a very good coaching staff to me. Um, I think the Titans are a team that does not have a lot of holes. I think their defense is pretty darn good. They've added receivers. So Tennessee might be that team, but they don't exactly fit your criteria. I mean, they're not picking in the top five every year, but... I could see them taking a big step forward and being a very frightening team come November, December. Uh, Joshua Redding also asked me, why is Matt Ryan perpetually underrated in this league? And I agree with you, he absolutely is. He would be very, very high on my quarterback list of who's the best quarterback in the league right now. He'd be definitely in the top five, maybe as high as three or four, something like that. I think that's one thing that goes against him a little in today's Instant gratification society is—he doesn't have defining characteristics, you know. Like Cam Newton, wow, you see the play he made, he ran that dude over, or Brady's got obviously ring after ring, or Rogers, boy, did you throw that he made, holy cow! And some of these athletic quarterbacks, obviously you know, Russell Wilson, Ryan's kind of boring, you know. I mean, he's—I think the football purists and the coaches and the really smart people around the league. Understand how good he really is, but I'm not sure that the average fan looks at him and says, wow, I, 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 don't, I don't know that the average fan realizes his degree of difficulty with what he does. I mean, he is really, really good at his craft. And again, I think he's vastly, vastly underrated. So I'm with you, Joshua. I, I agree there. Um, my my buddy, GoPat79, asked me, who are your top five corners in the, in the league entering the 2019 season? And quickly off the top of my head, I just jotted down five corners here. And I I got to say, there's no Dion, there's no Revis, there's no guy that just stands alone as the best in his craft. I kind of feel like these are in three different groups. One, The guy that has been closest to that lately is Patrick Peterson, so he's going to be one of my five. These aren't in order from one to five. I still think Peterson's great. I think that the scheme change there didn't help him play in more zone. I think he's best playing man. I don't love this PED thing, though. I mean, has he been enhanced over these years, and he's going to come back as a lesser specimen after getting busted, frankly? Um, But what we've seen on the field, I think he still qualifies, but he kind of stands alone in this category. Now, the next two are veterans. Gilmore and Jones, Jones with Dallas, that I think both have really, really come into their own. Gilmore's a little older, but I thought he was the best corner in the league last year. Um, Both these guys have extreme man skills, Gilmore even more so. I think he's more technician than Jones. Jones has always been more athlete than technician, and I think that's starting to change. I think he's really found a home as a corner and is a superb, superb athlete. Coming off a great year. If I were to say who the two best corners in the league were last year, I probably would say Gilmore and Jones if I had Pro Bowl votes for those two. And then the two guys that I have extreme confidence in that a year ago, if you were to said, who's the best corner in the league, Matt? And if I, you know, a year ago, if you asked me uh, at the end of May 2019, who do you think the best corner in in, in the leagues will be? I would say Ramsey and then Lattimore. And both those guys were more effective a year ago than they were this past season, but I still have a lot of faith of these guys are pretty darn good, you know. And if you had to say who do I want going forward, I'd probably take Ramsey if I could. You give me one corner in the league, and I, it would probably be Ramsey. Um, that whole defense was a little down. Um, Lattimore was a little more down than he was as a rookie, but I think both these guys are prototypical Ramsey's freakier because of his size versatility. But those two to me are probably the guys I would bet on to be the best. And by their lofty standards from two years ago, they're a little down in terms of their stock, but I'm not real worried about it to say the least. Uh, So I would go with Peterson, Gilmore Jones, Ramsey and Lattimore in some sort of order. Almost three different categories there of who I think the best three corners are in the league as we speak. Um, So, folks, that is a wrap. Um, I mentioned, too, thank you for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to the show on the new Himalaya Podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on NFL. I will be back tomorrow. And as OTAs are going on, we're recording these later in the day. But as I talked with Mark Schofield last week about the teams that finished last in their division, who could make the playoffs tomorrow, we're going to talk about the eight division winners and, th- and, and kind of speculate which of those eight could really drop off a cliff. So similar conversations we had last week, um, you guys gave me a lot of good feedback on that. That was a fun little get together and I'm not going to blindside him with it. He's able to think about it a few days. And then Sando will be back from ESPN as usual on Thursday and Friday. I'll definitely have something lined up from around the locked on network. So that's a wrap folks over and out. Take care.